In, in some churches, this would be called the first Sunday in Advent. That is, there are four Sundays before Christmas, and each of those is an Advent Sunday. And so I thought in honor of that, that I would uh, talk about what may be the strangest Christmas text in all of the Bible. Uh, this is one of those passages that as you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew, you just sort of skip over to get to the good stuff. Or if you are really spiritual, you speed read through it to get to the good stuff. You know what I mean. Uh, and, and, and so I thought it would be interesting to sort of slow down and go through this fascinating passage in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, the first 17 verses, if you took one of those red Bibles, it's page 807. Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Abinadab. Isn't this exciting stuff? Uh, spelling will not count on the exam, okay, so just relax. Ram, the father of Abinadab, and Abinadab, the father of Nashon, and Nashon, the father of Salmon, and Salmon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah. In our church, when we read the scriptures, we have somebody like a layperson from the church get up and read. And, and uh, I always feel like if I'm preaching on a passage like this, they deserve uh, time and a half, you know, just to get through these names. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah, and Abijah, the father of Asaph, and Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram, and Joram, the father of, I've lost it, Jor, uh, Joram, the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah, the father of Jotham, and Jotham, the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh, the father of Amos, and Amos, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel, the father of Abiud, and Abiud, the father of Eliakim and Eliakim, the father of Azor, and Azor, the father of Zadok, Zadok, and Zadok, the father of Akim, and Akim, the father of Elihud. Apparently he was named after his grandfather. Or what? No, that's Abiud, isn't it? And Elihud, the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer, the father of Matan, and Matan, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. 
So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And, to the, uh, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon, uh, from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Matthew begins his gospel with these words, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. My grandmother, on my mother's side, was a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution, the DAR. And in order to, to become a member of that august organization, you had to prove that some one of your ancestors actually fought in the Revolutionary War. That is, you had to prove your pedigree. And so my, my grandmother established a genealogy. I, I assume she paid somebody to do it, but, but she established, a, or worked up a genealogy to prove that she could show that going back in her family, somebody fought in the Revolutionary War. So, so she creates this uh, genealogy to demonstrate her pedigree. That's exactly what Matthew is doing at the very beginning of his gospel. He's establishing the pedigree of, of Jesus by showing who his ancestors were. And as we'll see, he does that in, in sometimes very ordinary fashion. Some of these people, we have no idea essentially who they are. And others, very extraordinary ways, as, as we will see. What we know is that Matthew was very selective in the names that he chose. We, we know that because we have some of these genealogies in the Old Testament, and we have Luke's genealogy in the New Testament, and, and we know that Matthew has left out some names and, and, and put them in a particular order. And, and the reason that he's done that is so that he can sort of preach some little sermons to us. I, I know we tend to, to sort of gloss over all these names on our way to the really good stuff at the beginning of, of Matthew's Gospel. But I, I want to suggest that even in these names, there are some lessons, there are some things that Matthew wants to teach us. And, and the first thing that he wants to teach us is that God is faithful. God is faithful. The, the human family of Jesus goes all the way back to Abraham here in Matthew's Gospel. Abraham lived uh, about 2,000 years, give or take a few hundred years, uh, about 2,000 years before uh, the time of Jesus. And God had promised to Abraham, in you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Well, now, 2,000 years later, Jesus is the, the culmination, the fulfillment of that promise that God had made to Abraham 2,000 years earlier. At least he's, he's partially. In some ways, that, that promise to Abraham is still being fulfilled 2,000 years after the time of Jesus. But, but it took at least 2,000 years for, for the promise to Abraham to find its fulfillment in Jesus. I want you to think about that. Uh, you and I have some need, something that, that, that is really important to us, and we pray and we lay that before God. 
And two days later, when God hasn't answered it, we're, we're, we're getting impatient with God. You know, we're wondering, where, where are you, God? And yet here's, here's Abraham, dies without ever seeing. He saw some really neat stuff, but he certainly didn't see the, the, the fulfillment of this promise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed through him. 2,000 years later, God answers that prayer. All I want to suggest is that God is faithful. Now, he's on a different time schedule from you and me. His, 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 his view of life and history is different from ours, but God does not forget his promises. He is faithful to his promises. God is faithful. The second lesson that he teaches us, Matthew, through these genealogies, is that God is sovereign. And by that, I mean that God is in control. Uh, Matthew, at the very end of the genealogy, lets us know that he's very carefully organized this list of names into three groups, three historical groups uh, of 14 names each. Uh, and, and through that, he's going to show us that God is sovereign, that, that he is in control of history. So as we look at these three groups, I'd like you to think of, of a, a slanted end that goes up and down and up. And that's really the course of history that is traced through these three groups of names. The first one goes up. It's from Abraham to David. It's from that first promise to the first great king of Israel. Israel, uh, the nation, began with one man and his family, Abraham. And, of course, Abraham has Isaac, and Isaac has Jacob, and Jacob has these 12 boys, uh, these 12 nomadic families that, through the course of history, uh, settle down in the land of Palestine. So they have their own land, they have their own king, they are ruled by God himself. Uh, this, this first group of names marks the wonderful success that God brought to the nation of Israel. The second group goes down, however, from Solomon to the exile or to the deportation to, to Babylon. No sooner had they reached the top, and David really was the summit in terms of, of the spiritual leadership for all of his faults. Uh, David was, was a man after God's own heart. Uh, he was the summit of, of leadership in Israel's history. Well, no sooner do they, do they get to the top with David and things begin to go down. Uh, David's son Solomon, despite all of his wisdom, Despite all of his uh, financial and political success, uh, Solomon begins the downward fall of, of Israel, the spiritual decline. Uh, thing, things in some ways were going wonderfully uh, for Israel, but behind the scenes and the spiritual uh, soul of Israel, the decline had, had already begun. And by the time we come to Rehoboam, who is Solomon's son, by the way, you can read about all of this in 1 Kings and 2 Kings in the Old Testament. By the time we come to Rehoboam, the, the kingdom actually divides into Judah and Israel. There's this uh, division. And, and 
as you read through Kings, you'll find some good kings there, Asa and Jehoshaphat and Hezekiah. But loads and loads of evil kings ruling both of these, uh, both of these kingdoms, Ahaz and Manasseh. And these evil kings lead Israel and Judah further and further into sin and, and finally uh, into exile in Babylon. Things could hardly get worse. Uh, we would think, than to be uh, bereft of your land and bereft of, of all that God had given you and to be stuck in this foreign land all by yourself. But history is his story. History is God's story. And, and the third group shows us that, that God's purposes cannot be defeated even by our sin. And so out of the despair of the exile rises the hope of the Messiah. Uh, this third set of names takes us from the exile in Babylon to Jesus. Uh, when, when things seemed even beyond God's help, Jesus comes. I, I'm reminded of that verse in, in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time... Christ died for the ungodly, Paul says. At just the right time, Christ comes. And, and that's, what, uh, that's what Matthew is trying to help us to understand in this genealogy. When things seemed as bad as they could be, there's hope because Jesus is coming. And that brings us to the third lesson, the third sermon, if you will, in this uh, genealogy. The first is that God is faithful. The second, that God is sovereign, that he's in charge of history. And the third, that God is gracious. This obviously is not the only genealogy that exists. The Bible has a number of genealogies throughout the Bible, as I said, in the Gospel of Luke. We have tons and tons of very similar genealogies throughout the, the literature of the ancient Near East. And in many ways, Matthew's genealogy is very similar to all of these other genealogies. But in many other ways, Matthew breaks all the rules. For example, genealogies in that ancient time almost always just included the men. I mean, why, why would you want women in there? They're not important, you know. And, and, and so, so when, when you came to show your family tree, it was just the guys who were there. Did you notice that Matthew, however, includes four women? Five, if you include Mary. Uh, genealogies, just like my grandma's, were usually written to demonstrate the worthiness of the person. They were, they were trying to show how great your ancestors were so that you could uh, be proud of your pedigree. Matthew, as we will see, seems to go out of his way to drag as many skeletons out of Jesus' closet as he can. There, there's some pretty nasty people in Jesus' uh, pedigree. And we think, uh, third, uh, genealogy showed the, the racial and ethnic purity of, of the person. And yet Matthew, again, seems to go out of his way to show that in Jesus' pedigree, there were all these outsiders, all these people outside of Israel, the, the sort of people that would mess up the purity of Jesus' line. And, and 
As I say that, I think of of, uh, Paul's words to the Galatians in chapter 3, when he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, no male or female, for you are all one. In Christ Jesus. And that's the, that's the message that Matthew's trying to get across to us in this genealogy. Well, let me show you uh, from the, the genealogy itself how I get all of this. Matthew lists Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary in his, uh, in his uh, listing of Jesus' line. I think he wants us to understand that, that women are full members of the kingdom of God. As I said, in a patriarchal society where things kind of revolve around men, it was almost a scandal to include women in the, in the genealogy, and yet Matthew includes five. Second, Matthew wants us to understand that Jesus came uh, to the world to reach the whole world, not simply the Jewish community, as needy as they were and as honorable as they were. Jesus came to reach the world. And so, uh, as we look at these women, we discover that Tamar was from Canaan. Ruth was from Moab. Uh, Rahab was from Jericho. And and, uh, uh, Bathsheba was a Hittite. All of these nations, by the way, were on Joshua's hit list. Remember, Joshua was, uh, came in to conquer the, the, the people who were there in the land of, of Palestine, the promised land. And, and, and these were all nations that should have been destroyed, that should have been wiped out. And yet God allowed them to survive. And now he graciously inserts these outsiders into the, into the pedigree of the Savior of the world. It's almost an echo, isn't it, of what John says in his Gospel. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Finally, Matthew wants us to understand that no sin is too great to escape the reach of God's grace. As we look at these, these women, Tamar... And it's a very complicated story. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 38. But Tamar seduces her father-in-law, Judah. I mean, it is a messy, messy situation. Rahab, uh, and you may remember her, uh, Joshua, and the, the walls of Jericho. Rahab was a prostitute. And Matthew uh, can't even bring himself to say the name Bathsheba. Did you notice that? He calls her the wife of Uriah. And of course, you know the story that David committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so here are, at least as sort of uh, the, the world looks at them, here are the worst kinds of sinners. You know, if you were looking in the dictionary uh, for the word sinner, you'd find pictures of these three gals in that, in that dictionary listing. Worst sorts of sinners. And yet here are these sinners, if you will. Great-grandmothers, if I could use that word, of the Savior of the world. Ancestors of Jesus, whom Matthew proudly lists. So I say this uh, genealogy of Matthew speaks volumes about God's grace to us. In Jesus Christ. The wonderful thing 
is that God continues to, to add names now to the list of Jesus' descendants. He continues to add names to the family of God. If you'd like to be a part of this family of God this morning, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, you can do that by asking Christ to forgive you of your sins. The, the, the Christ who forgave Tamar, who forgave uh, Rahab, who forgave Bathsheba, and you know what? Who even forgave David and Abraham. That same God will forgive you and come into your life and take control of your life as he did these, these ancestors of Jesus. Let us pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your grace to us this morning. We thank you for Jesus who was not afraid to be identified with sinners. We thank you that, that you are not afraid to be identified with us this morning, Lord Jesus. Thanks for the hope that is ours because of your grace. We pray in your powerful and precious name. Amen.